Thank you for listening to this recent message from the Rescue Church. We pray that God will use this message to encourage, challenge, and inspire you on your faith journey. If you'd like to learn more about the Rescue Church, please visit us online at therescuechurch.com. All right, once again, it is great to have you with us today. I'm so excited that you're here for the start of our new series from the book of Philemon. We're beginning a series called Forgiven. We're going we're gonna to dig into the book of Philemon, and we're going to see what we can take away from it. What can we learn? We're going to start with the first three verses this week, but before, before we read them, I want to encourage you to take some time this week and read the entire book of Philemon for yourself. Now, that may sound like a lot, but it's only 25 verses. It's really not that much, and it won't take you that long. And then after today, you will have some insight, too, when you read through that as to who the characters are, what, what's the background of what's happening in the book of Philemon. It, it'll make it an easier read for you. Again, so, so go to the book of Philemon, please, this week, read that, and uh, be prepared for next week as we continue this series. All right, we're going to start today in Philemon. We're going to read the first three verses. So if you'll join me there, they'll be on the screen. They say this, They say, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our dear friend and fellow worker, also to Aphia, our sister, and Archippus, our fellow soldier, and to the church that meets in your home, grace and peace to you from God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for an opportunity to dig into your word. Thank you that you have provided us your word, that we can learn more about you and who you are and how it impacts our lives. Lord, speak to us today. Send your spirit to each home, to each place, even right here, right now, that as I speak, it would be your words, not mine, and that people would hear what you want them to hear, and that you would block their ears from anything else. It's in your name we pray. Amen. All right, so the book of Philemon is written by the Apostle Paul. And at the time of his writing, at the time Paul's writing this, he's being detained either in a prison cell or under house arrest. Most believe it was a, a Roman prison. A minority of people think it may have been actually in Ephesus, but Rome seems to be the most likely. Regardless, he is being held against his will, against his will as a prisoner. Now, this letter to Philemon is different than Paul's other books. Besides being considerably shorter than the majority of his writings, this one is, is different because it isn't written to a local body of believers. It's not written to a local church. It's actually written to an individual, and that individual's name is Philemon. I'm sure you guessed that. Now, Philemon is a wealthy man who appears to be part of the church at Colossae, and he appears to have learned about Jesus from, and the gospel as a whole from Paul. And after learning about Jesus from Paul, Philemon chooses to follow him, chooses to follow Jesus, and accepts the forgiveness that's provided through Jesus' death on the cross. I mentioned Philemon being a, a wealthy man. One of the ways that we know that Philemon was wealthy, why, why we know he is a wealthy individual, is that he had slaves. And these slaves that Philemon had are not like the slavery that was experienced by many in the U.S., in the past. This is, this is something com completely different. This wasn't a slavery aimed at a certain race of people. This actually was slavery that was a result of people borrowing money or using resources that belonged to some wealthy individual and then not being able to pay that person back. 
And when that person wasn't able to repay their debt to the individual who had loaned it to them or had given it to them, they become a servant or a slave of the wealthy person that they owe the money back to until they can pay back or work off that debt. Now, in the book of Philemon, Paul is writing to Philemon about one of Philemon's slaves. And that slave's name is Onesimus. Now, Paul had met Onesimus while Paul was a, was a prisoner. Onesimus had been unable to pay Philemon back and ran away. He was trying to avoid having to work for Philemon and trying to avoid having to pay off this debt. Now, we will see as we work through the series over the next few weeks that while a prisoner, Paul met Onesimus. As they had the opportunity to spend time together, Paul had the opportunity to share with Onesimus the same message that he had early, earlier in his ministry shared with Philemon. That same message that, that Onesimus was a sinner and that he was in need of a savior and that Jesus had come to earth, earth less than 100 years prior. He had lived a perfect, sinless life and was executed on a cross to then be raised from the dead three days later, like we celebrated on Easter this past week. Paul had the opportunity to share with Onesimus how that when Jesus died, he took on himself the penalty for sin, which made it possible for Onesimus to have a personal relationship with God. And when Onesimus put his trust in God to save him from his sin and from the consequences of his sin, he became a Christian. Like Paul and like Philemon, the person he was indebted to, Onesimus, became a Christian. Now, in the first three verses, we see a number of people in addition to Paul, Philemon, and Onesimus. Other than those three, the first one that we hear about is a person by the name of Timothy. Now, Timothy is a mentee of, of Paul who had become a trusted co-worker. I believe Paul referred to him as a co-laborer. I believe that's what the actual word in Greek meant in English. And he was a trusted companion who, who is mentioned multiple times in multiple books of the Bible, including two of them that were written directly to him by Paul. Those two, 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy. Makes sense, has his name in the title. Anyway, we also know that Timothy's mom, Eunice, was a Jewish Christian. His grandma, Lois, was a follower of Christ as well. Now, none of the text indicates in any way that Timothy's dad was a believer. And in fact, at one point when, when Paul is encouraging Timothy, Paul actually reminds him of the faith, not of his dad, but of his mom and of his grandma. And because of Timothy's background, he had a Jewish mom, Greek dad. He, he was uniquely equipped to be a missionary with Paul. God had, had orchestrated his life that he was equipped understanding multiple cultures. And we know from Acts 16, too, that Timothy was well thought of by other followers of Christ. Now, the next person mentioned is a woman. Her name is Aphia. She is referred to as our sister, indicating she was also a Christian, also a believer. Common knowledge believes that Aphia was the wife of Philemon. This is the only time, however, she is mentioned in the entire Bible. Now, the last person that we're going to be looking at is Archippus. In addition to the book of Philemon, Archippus is mentioned one other time in the Bible. He's mentioned in the book of Colossians in uh, chapter 4, I believe, verse 17, which is written by Paul several years prior to Paul's writing to Philemon. Now, Archippus is believed to be the son of Philemon and Aphia, 
and also a leader in the local church. Now, there is some debate on which church he was a leader in. Since it's referenced in the book of Colossians, many people believe that he was a leader in the church at Colossae. Others, though, others believe that Archippus may have been a leader or the leader of the church in Laodicea. This is possible, and it could make actual sense because Laodicea is only 12 miles from Colossae, and the letter that was actually written to the church in Colossae was also intended to be read to the Laodicean church. Regardless, we know that Archippus was the son of Philemon, Anaphia, and he was also a faithful leader in the church. So now that we know the background and, uh, and have a little bit of an understanding of the people in the book of Philemon, let's take a deeper look and see that what there is that we can take away, what you and I can take away, and how we can apply this knowledge to our lives, how it can make a difference in the way we live. Let's go back to, to verse 1, and, and we read there, Paul a prisoner. Now, regardless of whether or not Paul was in prison or under house arrest, the reality is Paul wasn't in a place of his choosing. Yet Paul chose to make the most of this situation. We know from the fact that we are told that Paul led Onesimus to a personal relationship with Jesus, that Paul was continuing to share the love of Jesus with those he came in contact with. No, he was not in a house church or a synagogue or a temple or a public square, but Paul wasn't going to let his circumstances prevent him from doing what he believed God called him to do. And as a result of him continuing to do what God called him to do, at least one person, that person being Onesimus, had a saving relationship with God in heaven. Now, do you ever feel like, or maybe you fall into this thinking of, of the grass being greener? If only I had lived in this community or that community. People in states shut down by COVID were constantly thinking, and I heard from a number of them, that if only they lived somewhere with less limitations. A number of them said, if only I lived in South Dakota. It's not a secret that, that I don't like cold. I, Sam, hate cold. I dream of living someplace where I can put up Christmas lights on palm trees in my yard as I enjoy winter holidays in shorts and possibly even at the ocean. Yet I live in South Dakota, and if I'm honest, I have done my fair share of complaining about that. And yes, I have a very nice home with about two acres of land out in the country, but I often find myself wishing I was in town closer to more people. I wonder if Paul ever found himself complaining about where he was or wishing he was somewhere different. Now, it's hard to say, but it's clear that he made the most of where he was at. He didn't take the approach of the grass being greener on the other side of the wall where he was held captive. Instead, he chose to make the most of his situation, and figuratively, he decided to water the grass where he was at. He decided to make the grass where he was at greener versus focusing on the grass on the other side of the wall. And here's the point. I need to be careful not to view my location as a limitation. That's right. I need to be careful not to view my location as a limitation. And instead, with God's help, I need to make the most of it. When I do that, God will work through me right where I am at. A little bit ago, a little bit ago as I was talking, we were talking about the cast of characters in the book of Philemon. And I couldn't help but notice, as I, as I did this, the diversity. 
Paul is a Jew with formal Jewish training, and he's also a prisoner. Timothy has a Jewish mom who is a Christian and a Greek dad who is not a follower of Christ. Aphia is a woman. Philemon is wealthy. Onesimus is deep in debt. Paul and Timothy are missionaries. Archippus is a church leader. This is a diverse group of people, and I am reminded of the diversity, and that diversity is often a positive. Our strength is often in our differences. We have to work together, and as Christians, as the church, as the body of Christ, we are each created differently by the Creator, by God, with unique personalities, strengths, gifting, and abilities. This is our strength. This is a strength that we have in the church. If we were all the same, we would all be getting each other's way, trying to get the same things done, while another list of things wouldn't happen because no one was focused on them. If the entire group of people in the book of Philemon had been missionaries, who would have been leading the church? If the entire group of people were leading churches, who would have been sharing the hope of the gospel in areas that had yet to be reached, in areas that had yet to hear about Jesus? To take it further, if Paul hadn't been a missionary who had been arrested and was in prison, who would have shared the love of Jesus with Onesimus? We need the diversity in the church. We have to work together. And, and then speaking of working together, I want to go back and look at the verses from today, the first three verses that we read. And in the rest of the short letter to Philemon, the, the part after verse 3, the part that we, we didn't read, Paul only addresses Philemon. Philemon is the only one he's talking to. At the beginning, however, in, in the verses that we did read, in verses 1 to 3, Paul addresses Aphia, Philemon's wife, and Archippus, an elder in the church, and likely Philemon's son. Paul addresses them, it appears, to, to make them aware of the challenge he is about to lay out for Philemon. It's as if he wants them to know that the challenges he's giving, that Paul's challenges, he wants them to know what they are so that they can encourage Philemon to do what he needs to do. Have you ever had that thing that you knew you should do? Or maybe you didn't know you should do it, but you were wondering about it. It's time like these we need others to encourage us. It's times that, like these that, that we need others to help us accomplish what God's called us to accomplish. It's not that we can't do this thing or, or that thing on our own, but it just helps to have people we are in relationship with. It's part of the reason we are doing this goals and dreams group that we're doing here in Flandreau. People have things that they want to do, and in some cases, it's things that they believe that God is truly leading them to do or calling them to do, myself included. And sure, we can tell people to just get it done, but it's often easier with someone encouraging you along the way, with someone joining you on your journey. In the case of Philemon, it appears to be family. Having his spouse, an adult child, or a family member who's there to encourage him would be great. The same is, is a benefit for you and I when we have adult children and spouse encouraging us. It's a benefit. It's one of the benefits to healthy marriage. You, you grow together. You encourage each other. And it doesn't have to be family. While, while we can't be 100% certain that Archippus is Philemon's son, we can know that he was a leader in the local body of believers. It's one of the reasons we believe uh, that, that we need to be connected to a local body. 
we need to be connected to a local body of believers in the local church. We help each other grow and we become the people that God wants us to be. We are actually challenged about this in in Hebrews 10.24. In Hebrews 10.24, we are told, and let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. It's part of our responsibility as a local body of believers. We need to encourage each other and challenge each other. Together, as Christians, we should motivate each other for ministry. We need, as Christians, in the local body of Christ, to motivate each other for ministry. Now in this, in all of this that we've talked about so far, do not miss God's sovereignty, God's orchestrating things, his working things together for good. We are told he knows what we need before we need it, and often what we need is other people. I don't think any of us can deny the circumstances surrounding Philemon has to be more than just a simple coincidence. God had been orchestrating and working things out for his good. The fact that the person who leads Philemon into a personal relationship with Jesus is also a prisoner at the same time as Onesimus, who's Philemon's slave, ends up imprisoned, seems like more than chance to me. God was working it all out. He was working everything together and working it together for good. This is something God is teaching me right now and in my life. Something I I may be learning the rest of my life, if I'm honest. When when I don't see how things will come together, I can find myself overwhelmed. I hate to admit it, but it's completely true. And I'm not sure if any of you can relate, but what's crazy is that time and time again, when I'm following the Holy Spirit's leading, and, and probably sometimes when it's just a Sam thing even, God makes it all to come together in what can appear like circumstance or coincidence. But as often as that seems to happen, I'm learning to trust and lean into God's sovereignty and the way he works and is at work, at least in my life and what I personally have experienced. It's been said this way, we often don't see the whole picture. We often don't see the situation in its entirety, but God does. Often he is just asking us to take that next step and remain faithful. And when we do this, when we take that first or next step, he seems to show the following step and then the following step. We simply have to trust him. We have to believe he loves us and that he is working. Do you believe? Do you believe that God wants to work through you? Do you believe your life has purpose and value? I wonder if Paul ever questioned whether he could accomplish God's purpose for him while he was in prison. Now, we don't see any indication that, that his confidence in God was, was waning and, and that he ever faltered in his faith. If it had, who could have blamed him, though? I mean, he was a missionary spreading the gospel to parts of the world who didn't even know about what Jesus had done or didn't know about a loving God's desire to have a relationship, a personal relationship with them. It gets kind of hard to go to new places doing what you believe God's called you to do when you are a prisoner. Yet God was at work and Paul was where he needed to be when he needed to be there. He was where he needed to be to lead Onesimus to a personal relationship with God in heaven through Jesus. And what about Onesimus? 
Onesimus was deep in debt, so he tried to run away from his problems. Somehow he ended up as a prisoner with Paul. He had to feel like his life was going the wrong way and it was going there quickly. But God was at work and God put Onesimus with Paul. God orchestrated details so Onesimus would be where he needed to be to learn about having a personal relationship with God. The personal relationship with God appears to have only been the beginning, though, of Onesimus' story. Let me jump closer to the end, beyond what is even written in this book of Philemon. It's from something written by a Christian martyr by the name of Ignatius, sometimes, sometime well after the writing of Paul's letter to Philemon. And in Ignatius' writing, he references Onesimus as a highly regarded leader of the church as a whole in the province of Asia. It appears quite likely that God worked through the life of a person who was deeply in debt and a prisoner. From what we can see, God had a plan for Onesimus that was bigger than his current position in his life. He simply had to come to a personal relationship with God. Onesimus had to come to a personal relationship with God and then follow his leading one step at a time. The same is true for you and me. Our current position in life, my current position in life, does not determine my purpose in life. Maybe better said it would be, my current position in life doesn't determine whether or not my life has purpose. God can work through you to accomplish his good wherever you are at right now. It doesn't mean his perfect plan would be or wouldn't be for you to be where you're at right now, but it does mean that he can still work through you from where you are at today. You don't have to have a certain job. You don't have to have a certain position in society. You don't have to have a certain level of wealth or a certain amount of influence. That's because it's not all about you and it's not all about me. It's about a loving God who can make a miracle out of a mess. He can take whatever your situation, good or bad, and work through it for his good. He did it in Paul's life. He did it in Onesimus' life. And he desires to do it in your life too. Your current position in life doesn't determine whether or not your life has purpose. As we wrap up, I want to look at one more thing that we can see from these first three verses in the letter to Philemon. You see, Paul was writing to encourage Philemon to forgive a debt owed by Onesimus. Paul was asking people to, who were close to Philemon to help encourage him to forgive this debt that was owed. Onesimus' debt didn't simply go away because he chose to accept God's gift of forgiveness made possible through Jesus' death on the cross. You see, while he was forgiven by God, there were still human consequences for his action. He still owed money to Philemon. He was still a runaway who had been trying to get away from paying a debt he owed. And... His salvation, Onesimus' relationship with God, didn't simply mean everything in his life was immediately perfect. And that's the point I want to make as we get ready to wrap up. As Christians, we are forgiven, but we are not flawless. Our salvation doesn't mean we don't have any issues. It does, however, mean that we have the Holy Spirit living in us and working in us. It does mean that God will no longer hold our sins against us. We've been forgiven because of Jesus' blood, 
because of Jesus' death on the cross. And it means God will work despite our flaws and despite our imperfections to bring about his good. Let's pray. God, thank you for the examples that we have in Scripture. Thank you for the life of Philemon, Paul, Onesimus, Timothy, Archippus, Aphia. Thank you for what we can learn from them. Thank you, God, that, that you are God and that you are sovereign and that you want a relationship with us and you desire to work through us. You haven't left us out. You haven't, you haven't just left us abandoned sitting here on this planet called Earth, but instead, God, you want to be involved in our lives. You want to know us personally. You want to work through us to make an impact in the lives of others, regardless of, regardless of our situation, and sometimes through our situation. So God, today, if there's anyone connecting with us today that doesn't know you, my prayer is that they would, would realize who you are, and that they need you. That like Onesimus, they are a sinner. Like Onesimus, they can't be right with you. They cannot have a relationship with you aside from that gift of Jesus on the cross, that salvation that's available through him. God, I pray that if there's people listening, that they would truly seek you. And we're told if they seek you, they will find you. So God, that is my prayer for them. For those of us who know you, my prayer, God, is that we would follow you, that we would trust you, that I would trust you, that, that every step of the way, even in the times when I'm overwhelmed, even in the times when I can't see what's over the hill, that I would trust you, that we would trust you, that we would follow you completely that we would trust you to work in our lives, that we would realize that we need each other and that we are better together, that we are better when we are connected as a local body of believers. God, work through us. Work through the Rescue Church that we truly would be a local body of believers that encourages each other, that grows together, that shares our faith with others, that serves together, that is there to encourage and support each other as we pursue what we believe and know you have called us to. God, we give this to you. I pray this in your son Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for tuning in to the Rescue Church's past messages. To hear our messages live, head to one of our physical campuses. If you'd like to learn more about the Rescue Church, please visit us online at therescuechurch.com.